You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message to listen to the latest stories and to leave a comment. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we have our service crew rolling up the red carpet for this man that just walked in, and he's got a kind of a phobia, we have to dry clean that carpet every week when he comes in. It has to be crisp and fresh. Good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. You never cease to amaze me. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got to say, last week we talked about the great diamond hoax. Oh, yes. And I... made the comment that I didn't know that diamonds were in the United States. I said the same thing, so I'm guilty, too. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that either. And so, John, thank you very much. John sent me some information, and I did not know this. But in Arkansas, they have a Crater of Diamonds State Park in Arkansas. And they actually have, uh, he told me, a diamond on their state flag. They found in Arkansas a 40-carat diamond years ago. Now, that's pretty big. That's a big diamond. And this is something that it said, according to my research, diamonds do not come from coal. Now, didn't you grow up? Didn't you grow up? I mean, well, there was even a country song about that. (laughs) Well, and uh, and Superman always crushed a piece of coal to make a diamond, right? I thought so. Yeah, I'm gonna burn all my comics. (laughs) So, so the research I did: diamonds are actually formed 90 miles below the surface of the Earth because of the pressure and the heat that deep. And the way they come to the surface is with uh, these deep volcanic eruptions that bring them to the surface. And they are found in North America. I did not know that. I didn't either. So, John, thank you for setting us straight on that. So now we know. So keep your eyes down, Zeb, when you're walking around. You know, now, again, I thought they were mostly like in uh, the, uh, towards the equator, Africa, right. that type of thing. Right, Brazil, yeah. Africa. Yeah. So I was quite surprised. And, and again, thank you, John. Now, also, I got uh, an email from Colleen, and she wanted a story on the Hatfields and McCoys. So we might have to do that one of these days. I'd like that. Yeah. So. I never did understand what was the motivating factor for that uh, big uh, yeah, I, hate that they had. Right. And I might have to do a little research on yeah. that one. Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah. So today's Zeb, how about a little good old outlaw bank or a little robbery uh Bank uh, story. How's Are you that? having trouble trying to say bank robbery? <laughs> well, because it's not a bank robbery. Okay. It's a train robbery. <laughs> oh, okay. Why did you say that? Well, I was trying to. Okay. So here's our man. His name is Bert Alvord. Never heard of and, him. And I'm going to bet nobody has. So he was not exactly a household name among Arizona's notorious outlaws. They also said that he was not the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> you know, most of the guys that you feature that are bad yeah, guys right. aren't real smart. In fact, it was claimed that his IQ was a little bit less than his waist size. 
<laughs> I thought that was a good description. Anyway, his major interests were poker, pool, guns, and practical practical jokes. On the other hand, he worked for a time in the late 1880s as a deputy sheriff for Cochise County Sheriff John Slaughter, and we've heard of him. Texas John. Yeah, and who declared him as fearless. Cochise County was blessed with a bunch of interesting characters, and so Bert uh, Albert fit right in with these colorful characters. Okay. Now, back in those days, you know, boxing and wrestling were two of the most popular sports in the mining camps, and there was a lot of money in the purse for the winner. One time, Bert and a fellow named Biddy. Bert and Biddy. Bert and Biddy. Oh, boy. They hatched a wrestling max scheme uh-huh. with Biddy going against a somewhat uh, lower IQ miner in the town of Bisbee. Where did they find him? <laughs> The match took place, you're going to love this, the match took place in a manure pile <laughs> in front of the Copper Queen mine. In front of the mine? Yeah. The, the folks in Bisbee bet heavily on the Cornish miner, but unknown to them, Bert had bribed him to take a fall. Then he bet heavily on Biddy, his little buddy. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I, I want to remind you, we have FCC regulations. Bert, buddy, Biddy, and Buddy. And Buddy. Buddy was his buddy. Biddy was his buddy. <laughs> Biddy was his buddy. Yeah. Well, the big Cornish guy took the fall in the first round when Biddy threw him to the ground, pushed his face into the manure. Before the crowd had time to react, Bert grabbed the purse. He and Biddy headed out of town, headed for Tombstone, and Bert and Biddy were no longer welcome May I in ask Bisbee. Ob- I've got- <laughs> in Bisbee. I knew that was coming. May I ask one sure. absolutely uh, forthright question? Okay. Why did they want to wrestle in a manure pile? I Maybe it was softer. I don't know. Or added a little something Ooh. to the... Yeah. So, anyway, they that's what they did. Okay. So, here we are. It's 1897. Bert took a job as marshal in the town of Wilcox, Arizona Territory, during which he planned and staged one of the most bizarre train robberies in Western history. Bert's plan was to use his job as a marshal to screen his moonlighting as leader of a gang Did of he train call Biddy? No. Oh. Biddy was gone. Biddy was gone. He's no longer with us. Okay. But he included his drinking buddies. Now, this name, remember this one, Billy Stiles, because Bert and Billy are going to be throughout the story. You know, so far, everybody that's in this episode is B-B-B-B-B-B-B. Well, uh, that's not all. And then you got Matt and Bill. (laughs) (laughs) So here was the plan, Zeb. They would rob the westbound Southern Pacific Railroad between Wilcox and Cochise Station. There was a long incline between the two that caused the train to slow to a crawl. It was a perfect place for one of the bandits to hop aboard the engine, force the engineer to stop, uncouple the passenger cars from the engine, and the express car then keep going down the track for a mile or two where the others were waiting. Now, Bert's alibi was really pretty smart. So Bert and his three buddies would supposedly be, be, be playing poker at the time that the robbery occurred. Now, this is actually kind of smart, Zeb. On the evening of September 9th, 1899, the boys were sitting in the back room engaged in a poker game at the saloon in Wilcox, where he was the marshal. Now, Bert bribed the waiter to carry a round of drinks into the room every few minutes and come back out with a tray of empty glasses and just kind of casually tell everybody that Bert and his buddies were playing a serious game of poker behind closed doors and did not want to be disturbed. 
You got the picture? Oh, I do. Okay. Meanwhile, back Meanwhile, at the ranch. Meanwhile, when the train pulled into Wilcox, the four laid down their cards. They jumped out a side window, jumped on the horses, and disappeared into the night. The robbery went smooth, and afterwards, Bert stashed the loot. Anybody spending money around town would be a suspect, so Bert wasn't taking any chances. So he'd wait until things cooled down before divvying up the loot. The boys re-entered the back room of the saloon through the side window. Meanwhile, the engineer backed the train into Wilcox and gave the alarm. Someone suggested they alert the town marshal, Bert. Oh, Bert. Who was playing poker across the And his itty-bitty buddy. No, Bitty's uh, no longer with I us. I said itty-bitty buddy. <laughs> so, uh, so Bert, uh, so they run in and they tell Bert about this big robbery and Bert acts like it's a big shock and he said, great Scott, he shouted and he pointed a finger at his three fellow train robbers, and he said, I need volunteers for a posse. You, you, and you. Uh-huh. Okay, so... Uh, he wasn't as dumb as no, people no, thought he no. was. No, I think his IQ was a little higher. Yeah. Well, the next morning, they came back into town. They looked tired. Their faces were uh, claiming, you know, that they were tired, claiming they'd lost the trail, and there were a few raised eyebrows and uh, rumors floating around town. Some of these rumors pointed to the marshal as the ringleader, but really? Bert tried to stop the gossip by claiming uh, everyone knew he was too dumb to pull off this robbery. Oh. Now, Bert was feeling pretty good about himself, for now it looked like he'd planned and executed the perfect crime. And in all the stories of train robberies in the Old West, it's the only time the robbers and the posse uh, were one and the same. I'll be. <laughs> so. Wow. No, so now we move on a little farther down the road here. Lawman and future Arizona Ranger Burt Grover suspected Alvord was behind the scheme. So he managed to squeeze a confession out of the waiter who kept taking the drinks back and forth uh, yeah, into the room. Yeah. Uh, but the, the waiter skipped town, and so without the waiter, they couldn't build a case against him. So uh, Bert thought, well, this worked really good. So he decided to plan another one. So the railroad arrived in 1881. It was the closest rail link to the boom town of Tombstone. Now, is this in Wilcox? or uh, Now we're, yeah, he's still in Wilcox. Okay. Yeah. So uh, now they're uh, on February 15th, uh, 1900. The train station was the scene of a sensational attempted train robbery. So this is in Tombstone now. Ah, okay. okay. All right. All right. So uh, it might have been the only time a train robbery was attempted in a station in broad daylight in front of live witnesses. Okay. Thus proving the statement that Bert wasn't very smart. <laughs> exactly. Now, five outlaws, including three-finger Jack Dunlap and Bravo Juan, were all members of the Bert Alvord gang. Before the arrival of the train, the boys were hanging out around the train station pretending like they were just drunk cowboys. And what the boys didn't know was the Wells Fargo messenger on that train from Nogales just happened to be the famous ex-Texas Ranger and Texas lawman, a guy named Jeff Milton. Oh. And I hadn't heard of him. Me but, neither. But anyway, not expecting any danger as the train approached the station, Milton, the lawman, was standing in the open doorway. He was just standing there, and suddenly the robbers jerked their pistols and opened fire on Milton, and a bullet ripped into his shoulder. Seriously wounded, he fell back inside the car and dropped behind a trunk. His gunfighter instincts took over, and he grabbed a Wells Fargo short barrel 10-gauge shotgun. That'll hurt you. And waited for the bandits to charge. Oh, oh, look out. He's ready. This is going to get serious. It is. 
Now, thinking that Milton was dead, the bandits rushed toward the open door. As they drew near, he arose from behind the trunk and opened fire with both barrels. Three-fingered Jack was in the lead, and he caught a load of buckshot in the belly. Not a good place. Bravo One had just enough time to turn around. He caught a load in the seat of his pants, which is not a good place to be shot when you're going to make your way getaway on horseback. This sounds serious. It was. <laughs> I knew you'd love this. <laughs> now, the outlaws quickly decided to get out of town. And That's they, where the term tall in the saddle came uh, from. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they headed out, and uh, all of them, and three-finger Jack was mortally wounded. He was slowing down their escapes, uh, their escape, so uh, his uh, pals decided to leave him to die along the trail. Uh-oh. Now, meanwhile, a posse was organized. Trackers easily picked up the trail, leading to where Jack lay dying. Now, Jack, Jack was not real happy at being left behind by his pals, so he was only too willing to give the lawmen enough information to arrest all the gang members, including... Uh, the gang leader who doubled as Wilcox Marshal, Bert Alvord. Oh, my. Okay? Yeah. The gang was rounded up, brought to Tombstone, locked up in the courthouse jail. Billy Stiles, remember I mentioned him earlier? Yes, sir. One of the outlaws decided to turn and testified against his friends. Okay? No honor no among honor. thieves. But here's what happens, Zeb. He was released and uh, a little while later, he walked into the Tombstone Jail, stuck his gun in the jailer's ribs, and forced him to release Alvord, who took the jailer's kills, keys and opened the rest of the cells. Now, some of the prisoners, other prisoners, they just took off, and others chose to stay there and take their chance with the jury. Now, the escapees grabbed guns and rifles and headed out the door, and when the jailer tried to stop them, Billy shot him in the leg. Well, anyway, Stiles and Albert headed for Mexico. So now we are two years later. Arizona Ranger Captain Bert Mossman heard the two outlaws wanted to come home. Mm-hmm. Now, in January 1902, he got word to them that if they would help him capture an outlaw by the name of Augustine Chacon, they could share the reward money, and he'd testify in court to their good character. He even went so far as to put Billy Stiles on the payroll as a ranger. Now, Bert Alvord's wife was threatening to divorce him. Oh, he was married. Yeah. He, she was threatening to divorce him if he didn't come home pretty soon, because he was been down in Mexico now for two years. So this, You never mentioned that he was married. Well, I didn't think it was important. Oh. <laughs> okay, so now, Chacon, the outlaw, lived in Sonora, but he did most of his robbing up in Arizona, leading his gang up, and each time they'd hightail it back to Sonora, where he lived in a well-defended ranch. And to his admirers, Chacon was kind of like a Robin Hood Uh and old, old-timers claim that he had 30 notches carved in the butt of his gun. Well, things went really bad when Chacon killed a deputy sheriff, and the lawmen caught up with him. He was sentenced to hang. It looked like the end of the line for one of Southwest's most notorious outlaws. But Chacon had a little trick up his sleeve. Uh-oh, what was it? He spent the weeks before his execution planning an escape. And this is pretty good. A pretty young lady put a hacksaw blade in the spine of a family Bible and smuggled it into Chacon's cell. Really? Among his cellmates were members of a mariachi band <laughs> consisting of a squeaky violin, a guitar, and a concertina. Oh, my. You're ahead of me, Zeb. 
Each night when Chacon saw it on the bars, the band let forth with something that maybe was sort of like music to drown out the noise. Yeah. Anyway, Chacon escaped. And he went down into Mexico. Really? So he what did, about the guys that were the mariachi band? Well, they just kept playing, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what happened to them. Anyway, so Bert Alvord, you know, uh, uh, Mossman had, uh, you know, suggested they help him catch Chicago. Yeah. So he spent some time thinking about Captain Mossman's offer. He missed his wife. He wanted to go home, but he was either afraid or didn't want to betray, betray Chacon. Finally, he and Stiles agreed to cooperate and set up Chacon so the ranger could make the capture. Uh-huh. Now, Stiles uh, uh, brought word to Captain Mossman and Bert Alvord, and they would meet Chacon. And so in t- and to entice Chacon out in the open, they offered to cut him in on a plan to steal some prized horses from a ranch in Arizona. So the four men met and made camp. So now you got Stiles and Bert and Captain Mossman and Chacon. Yeah, they're after Chacon. Right. Okay. So they met and made camp for the night. Uh-huh. Okay, they're camped. Yeah. At daybreak, the men got up, they started a fire, and while Chacon was fixing breakfast, Bert slipped up to Captain Mossman, and he said, you know what, I've done everything I'm going to do, and he took off. Oh, really? Probably the smart thing to do. Yeah. So he, he left and got the heck out of Dodge. So the captain was the only one left? With Stiles. Oh. With Stiles and Chacon. Forgot about him. And, she, and Stiles, you know, was in on the yeah, plot. Yeah. Well, quick as a flash, uh, the, Moss, uh, the Ranger Mossman pulled his revolver, got the drop on Chacon. He ordered Chacon to put his hands up. The outlaw cursed but did as he was told. Next, the Ranger told Stiles to remove Chacon's knife and gun belt. And to Billy's surprise, told him to drop his gun belt also. Uh-oh. He then ordered both men to step back while he gathered up the rifles and pistols. After ordering, ordering Stiles to handcuff Chacon, the trio mounted up and rode for the border. They arrived at Packard Station uh, on the El Paso and Southwestern Railroad line just as the train to Benson was passing through. He flagged it down, and they made the final 50 miles to Benson riding on the train. At Benson, they were met by Graham County Sheriff Jim Parks, who was the most eager to take Chacon back to jail at Solomonville, which, where he'd escaped in 1897, and to his rendezvous with the hangman. Now, uh, we're not done. Okay. <laughs> I know you've got questions. I do. <laughs> okay. So, Mossman, yeah. Captain Mossman, yeah. he stayed around Arizona just long enough to keep his promise to Billy Stiles. Because, you know, he promised them that he would testify that they helped him yeah. catch Chacon. But what about old Birdie? Okay, we're going to get to him. <laughs> so, um, on September 10th, 1902, Bert Alvord surrendered in Tombstone uh, after the after Chacon had been captured. So he surrendered. Oh, all right. But he was with his wife. Yes. Oh. Now, 1903, uh, December, Bert was sentenced to two years at Yuma Territorial Prison. Bert, uh, but Bert and Billy were up to their old tricks. They were in jail together. Oh, here we go. Again. The two escaped the Tombstone Jail, headed for Mexico. They robbed a $7,000 gold bar down in Mexico. Two weeks later, the Arizona Rangers crossed the border, ran them into the ground. Stiles managed to get away. Don't know what happened to him. But Bert was slightly wounded and captured. He was taken to the Tombstone Jail, then to the Yuma Territorial Prison. And despite his escape and robbery in Mexico, 
Albert's term was counted from the time of this sentencing, so he was released from prison early in 1905. So he actually only spent two years in jail. Really? Yeah, after all that. For all he'd done. Yeah. Now, here's what he did. He changed his name to Tom Wright (laughs) and borrowed money to go to Panama where he worked on the canal in late 1905. For years, Bert disappeared from the pages of history. Don't know where he was. But he helped build a railroad uh, line along the Amazon River in Brazil. And there he contracted yellow fever. And he was sent along with some other sick workers to the island of Barbados in the Caribbean, West Indies, uh, where he died November 24th, 1909. What happened to his wife? I was just wondering that myself. Okay. (laughs) You know, she may have decided, you know, Bert, you're not, uh, maybe you're not as smart as you thought you were, and maybe she got smarter and just said, well. For a guy that had an IQ of a bicycle spoke, he did fairly well. He did, you know. I mean, he thought of some pretty good robberies. What about Styles again? Don't know. He just did. He got away. Right, yeah. Yeah. Okay, but you know, like say Mossman testified for him, um, and they, they say he boarded a train and headed for New York City. Oh, so you know, and he's the father of Bill De Blasio. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of Billies in here, you okay. know. Uh, what about now, Chacon? Did he get hung? Uh, yeah. He did. Yeah, as far as I know, that was the last we heard of him, is that when he got back there, they he got hung. Well, he killed a marshal, and that, yeah. besides all of his robberies. and Now, what uh, happened to the one young ranger you were talking about? Uh, Mossman? Yeah, the other guy. Uh, Jeff? Um, uh, Milton? Milton. I don't know, because uh, he got shot pretty bad. Really? In that Because you robbery. said he took a serious uh, yeah, wound. Yeah, and it actually hit a an artery. And did Three Fingers Jack die? I don't know that either. Oh. Uh, he was hit pretty bad. I mean, yeah. right in the stomach with a shotgun, and I'm going to guess he probably did. Yeah. So there's some people I don't and know. And what about the poor guy that got shot in the butt? <laughs> well, I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> he probably rode pretty carefully for for a few weeks. You Post know? your horses. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. That was a good story. Yeah, that's the story of outlaw Bill, Bert Alvord, and and uh, his buddies, Biddy and Bert. And little bitty buddy. Yeah, his little bitty buddy. Okay, that was good, Doctor. Yeah. And how you made it through without any errors is amazing. I know. I you know. did a good job. So next week, we'll see. I, I've been want to do a, a one on guns, and I, yeah. I might do that next week. You'll look forward to it. So, Doctor History. So thanks again, John, for straightening us out on, uh, on the uh, diamonds, diamonds yeah. and and how many? So, like I say, there's diamonds probably here in Idaho. Here we go. Said. Another thing for us to go out and look for. Yeah, yeah. Doctor History, always welcome on Zeb at the Ranch. Thank you so much, and he'll be back next Tuesday at ten o six. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.